I can give you a, a really good equation. If we had to pay bees minimum wage, a one-pound jar of honey would cost us $182,000. So we're getting a bargain for between 12 and $15 a pound. <laughs> All I have to say is thank goodness the bees have not unionized yet. <laughs> Welcome back to the first episode of 2022 of That's Rad, a podcast presented by the Littleton Food Co-op. If you're new here, or maybe you just forgot, I mean, I haven't talked to you since last year. My name is Anastasia, and I'm going to be your host as we navigate through this exciting world of co-ops, food, and so much more. If your New Year's resolution was to listen to more podcasts about co-ops, congrats on having probably the most specific resolution ever. But also congrats on making it to the place to be to achieve that resolution. I'm so excited to have you all with us because we've got a great year planned ahead. First, we're exploring the more scientific side of food. In this episode, we're looking more closely at bees and all the wonders they produce. Aside from that honey you use to sweeten your cozy tea on a cold winter day like today, I'm just assuming it's cold, it's winter, it's New Hampshire. It's probably cold. Anyway, that honey, in addition to it, bees contribute a number of benefits to their natural surroundings and to us humans. To learn more about bees, honey, and other things, I sit down with Janice Mercieri, owner of White Mountain Apiary here in Littleton, New Hampshire. Janice and White Mountain Apiary have been educating the North Country about bees and sharing their delicious fruits for over 11 years. And then, back in 2021, she was awarded the prestigious honor of New Hampshire Beekeeper of the Year. I personally learned a lot from her in this short time, and I think you will too. Forget your 10th grade biology class you probably slept halfway through, because this is actually going to be interesting. First interview of 2022, here we go. Today on the podcast, I have the pleasure of speaking with, and you all have the pleasure of hearing from, the 2021 New Hampshire Beekeeper of the Year, Janice Mercieri of White Mountain Apiary. Janice, thank you for coming on. That's rad, and welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. So I wanted to start off by asking you about, I was reading on your website, And you talk about the years you spent deciding whether or not to start White Mountain Apiary. What was that decision like? Like, what were the two or more sides to that argument with yourself? Well, it was a matter of time, lack of knowledge, and I had an adult daughter who had moved home after a bad accident, and she kept on bugging me and bugging me and bugging me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to 
to have bees because she had done a lot of research and she felt it was going to help her recovery from the accident. So I, I really lamented and, you know, we started with two hives and I just fell in love with them and it grew from there. And how many do you have now? 87. Oh my gosh. At any given time of the year, we have different amounts because we do sell some hives to other beekeepers Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season. And then in the middle of the season, we are growing hives for next spring. Oh, okay. So sometimes we go up over 100, 150. Wow. So then you said a little bit about your daughter thought it would help her recovery and uh, guessing you maybe thought the same, but what, like why bees? Even though you had this influence from your daughter, what do you think it is versus, I mean, there are plenty of other animals, insects, hobbies that you could take up. What is it about bees that that made you fall in love with them? They act as a super organism. They are born with, they hatch out with all of their knowledge. They don't have to be taught. They don't have to be told what to do. They instinctively know what to do to make that one superorganism work better. And it just intrigued me. They provide pollination for one-third of our food supply in the world. Wow. And without them, we would be in dire straits. Can you imagine your mornings without coffee? No, no, (laughs) ma'am. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that world without bees would look like? Well, we would be without many of our fruits and vegetables. Many of our different kinds of beans get pollinated by bees. We would, we certainly wouldn't have honey. (laughs) There's many benefits from bees that they give us. Everything from their hive is there for a reason. It's there for a reason for them, for their health. They've lived thousands of years, so many of the um, practices that people are using now use those items from the hive the same way that the bees do. Oh, that's that's good to know. That I like that idea that everything has a purpose and everything is getting used. Right. Um, and there's there's five major things from the hive, and I can go through them with you if you think that your listeners would like to learn about them. I know. I want to learn about them. Let's go. <laughs> well, besides our honey, which is great, it tastes good, it metabolizes more even than sugar in our systems. So it's great for those that are diabetics that want to have a little sweet treat that they don't have to worry about any spikes or bottom out, you know, on their uh sugar levels. Uh, There's bee pollen, and the bees use the pollen as a source of protein. For years, herbalists have touted bee pollen as an exceptionally nutritious food. They've even claimed that it's a cure for many health problems. It contains vitamins, minerals, carbohydrates, lipids, and protein. It comes from the pollen that collects on the bodies of the bees, and the bee pollen may also include some bee saliva. The bees use the honey as their source of carbohydrate also. They use their beeswax 
to build calm, to store the things that they need inside the hive, whether it be eggs, pollen, nectar. But we have a lot of benefits from that beeswax, such as candles, sealants, moisturizers. Beeswax contains non-allergenic properties that are healthy for humans. Propolis, bees use it as their antifungal, antibacterial, antibiotic, anti-inflammatory, and antimicrobial. It is made from resins from the fir trees. They use it to seal up their hives for the winter. In the winter, it's as hard as cement. In the summer, it's very gooey and glue-like. It's produced by bees, and it's compromised of 50% of those residents from poplar and the cone-bearing trees, 30% waxes, 10% essentials, 5% pollen, and 5% various organic compounds. When it's used by us, these same benefits will help us. Royal jelly. Early on, all bee larvae is fed a substance called royal jelly, which is a gelatin-like substance. It's produced in the head glands of the nurse bees. After three days, those larvae destined to become workers receive a different percentage of royal jelly. It's cut down. It is mixed with honey and pollen, but they're still given a a portion of royal jelly. If there's going to be a queen made, she gets royal jelly exclusively the entire 16 days that she's in her cell going through her larva and pupae stage. If it's used by humans thought to fight diabetes, high cholesterol, PMS, and other health problems. And even recently, Anastasia, the doctors that have been treating COVID patients have been using the the royal jelly in post-COVID patients that are still experiencing COVID issues to help them. No way. Yeah. And also bee venom. The bee venom has powerful anti-inflammatory properties, and it may benefit the health of your skin and your immune system. It can also improve certain medical conditions like rheumatoid arthritis and chronic pain. And... Many cancer patients are using it as a supplement for a pain treatment. So all of those things from the hive are definite benefits, not only to the bees, but to us. So if that's not enough to get somebody interested in beekeeping. (laughs) I was going to say that is quite the extensive list of things that come from the hive and also their uses. Like I, I don't think I could have drained that list up myself i'm honestly still stuck on the fact that bee pollen is a food and that it has all of these great properties i i never knew that we had um the new york track club when they were when they trained for the marathon they they purchase pollen from me they take it in the morning it also gives you an, an intense amount of energy doesn't make you high. It just gives you energy, but you don't get that spike like you do with caffeine. Mm, wow. I, I could use some of that then. I'll, I'm going to check it out. So then we've gone through kind of all of the the elements, but then now let's say you come in as the beekeeper. Can you maybe briefly walk us through what the honey making slash honey collection process is? 
Sure. Well, the honey making, the bees do. <laughs> we, we, we don't have to do any of the honey making. We do have to extract it. But one thing we do do as bee farmers is continue to keep our bees healthy. You know, they're, they're fighting a lot of things that go, are going against them. Climate change, loss of habitat, uh, nutrition issues. I mean, last year was just horrible because we were in that drought. So when we're in that drought, they don't have nectar from the plants. The plants are not producing pollen like they normally do because they're drying up. So the bees are losing those resources. So we have to supplement and keep them healthy. We're very fortunate that when we do collect our pollen and honey from them, we save it. We keep a huge amount of resources available to give back to the bees. So we were not hit as drastically as many beekeepers were. So we're very fortunate with that. That's good. How long can you save stuff like that for? Well, we freeze the pollen, so it's indefinite. I mean, I would I wouldn't use it more than as a human. I wouldn't use it more than if it was more than a year or two old. Mm-hmm. Um, the honey, they have found crystallized honey in. The tombs. It was in King Tut's tomb. It was buried with him, and wow. it was still good. You can still have it. So it doesn't go bad. It is really the only food that never spoils. When the bre- yeah, bees bring the knows. nectar in, it's 80% water. Oh. When they use their wings, their stomach muscles, to fan it and dehydrate it down to 15 to 18%, then they cap it off. So once it's capped off, it is sealed from absorbing any humidity from the air so it'll still remain good. If not, it's going to ferment. And honey is used in a lot of fermentation processes. We have quite a few breweries here in the North Country that use our honey just to brew certain certain styles of beer. Do you think you get those same properties of the honey when you're drinking the beer then? I think that might be... Might be um, a little diluted, but I would say that it's certainly healthy for you. Well, there you go, everyone. Beer is <laughs> is basically a vegetable. You heard it here first. (laughs) Great for you. (laughs) Something I was curious about is when we've spoken to other farmers or even cheese producers, they've talked a lot about how it can be difficult to step away from the work because it's a continuing cycle. So, you know, with cheese producers, it's like they're always, the goats are always ready and they're always creating milk. Do you consider beekeeping to be in that same category of like a constant cycle? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're keeping livestock. I don't have, you know, 40 goats. I have three to five million bees instead. But it's the same thing. I'm taking care of them. I'm making sure that they have all the resources that they need to stay healthy and to be able to produce their honey. We leave between 80 and 100 pounds of honey on every single hive for the winter. So whatever they produce above that is what we extract because we don't want to have them suffer through the winter. Mm. Do you have the exact conversion ratio between goats and bees? No. I'm very curious. (laughs) No, no, I don't. But I can tell you that a a honeybee in the summer lives six weeks, approximately six weeks. A honeybee in the winter 
because they have been made a little bit differently by the queen bee, will live four to six months because they're in this low-par type of mode because they're in their hives for the winter. In that six-week period in the summer, those honeybees are only foraging. They're in the hive for two weeks, and then they're foraging for a few more weeks afterwards. In the weeks that they're foraging, they only produce two drops, one-twelfth of a teaspoon of honey. What? That's what they produce in their lifetime. Wow. So if I can give you a, a really good equation. If we had to pay bees minimum wage, a one-pound jar of honey would cost us $182,000. So we're getting a bargain for between $12 and $15 a pound. (laughs) All I have to say is thank goodness the bees have not unionized yet. Um, (laughs) We would be in big trouble. So then you have all this amazing, rich, no pun intended, honey, etc. Can you tell us what does White Mountain Apiary offer with that to the people of the North Country? Well, we offer education. That I think is first and foremost for those that want to become beekeepers. We offer live bees. I am part of the New Hampshire Queen Breeding Program. There were six of us that UNH Extension and the New Hampshire Beekeepers Association sent to Cornell to be trained to graft and raise queen bees. And I'm hoping that they expand on that program and teach many others how to do it because there's nothing better than becoming sustainable, especially mm-hmm. when you're beekeeping. We offer products to our to our beekeepers, a lot of woodenware, a lot of um you know, suits and jackets and everything that they would need to keep bees. All those fashion items. All the fashion items. You got it. Then we also offer through our retail partners, like Littleton Food Co-op, we offer honey, we offer pollen, we offer wax products, you know, such as salves for dog's paws, uh, lotion bars, soaps, candles, uh, we offer tinctures that are made for, with the propolis and local organic elderberries. So we we are our our products are out there. Also, um, there's other companies that use our products in the making of their products. Wonderful Fight Rub uses our wax. Super Secret Ice Cream uses our honey. So we just we just love seeing our products out there being used in so many different ways. You know, even if it's not something we're doing, you know, Schilling and Woodstock Brewery are using it in their beer. So we've got beers out there being made with our honey. Uh, we've got people buying honey and making mead, making their own mead. So it's it's really fun. It's really fun to see what people are doing with all of our products. Yeah, that's really cool to see, well, to hear such a diverse list of of uses for honey other than, you know, what we had talked about before, like the the what it does for you, but right. even right. Like, Well, we, we even offer, as part of the education, we offer some education on apotherapy to be able to, to do the bee, even to learn to do the bee stings yourself. That's great. So then you're out here doing all of this amazing work. I want to ask you, how can people like me 
you know, like the the average person, non-beekeeper extraordinaire, prevent this world about bees from happening? You know, what can we do to save the bees? You can plant more plants that are healthy for pollinators. And, And the sad part is, is that when we lose bees, honeybees, you, you know, if you're losing a percentage of honeybees, the national average is between 45 and 50% of our honeybee colonies are lost every year. Because we breed queens and grow new colonies, there will always be honeybees. What we're losing that cannot be replaced are our native pollinators. So those, it's really important to keep our world healthy. Mm. Don't, um, don't mow your grass. Leave the dandelions, at least, you know, till they go by the first round. Because that's one of the first foods that our honeybees have and our other pollinators have when they come out of the winter. They've gone all winter eating everything that's just inside the hive. And they really need a balanced nutritional diet in order to stay healthy. That's going to get me on another whole tangent because I talk about about the bees that they use for pollination services going across the country. Mm -hmm. And if they had a diverse diet, our bees would be healthier. Imagine like if you just lived your entire life on oatmeal, literally on oatmeal and water. (laughs) Seriously, you had no fruits, no vegetables, um, no meats, you know, as far as our diet is concerned. But you just lived on that one thing. That's what happens to these bees, when they're when they're gone through pollination services, they're brought into a, a monoculture. They're brought out to the almond fields. They're brought to the orange groves. They're brought up to the blueberry barrens in Maine. And for weeks at a time, that's all that they're getting for nutrition. Mm-hmm. So they're not getting that great, balanced, diverse diet to stay healthy. So it does weaken our bees, and it makes them more susceptible to viruses and parasites. So that's my rant. Give them a diverse diet. Don't spray your lawns. I had a woman from the garden club say, but I I have to get rid of the ajuga in my lawn, so I have to spray it every year. And I explained to her that all she had to do was add some lime on top of her grass once or twice a year, and that would take care of the pH in the soil, and her ajuga would not grow. She didn't have to put a weed killer down. That weed killer is not only tainting our honeybees, but it's tainting all the native pollinators and other parasites that are under the ground that help our plants grow and remain healthy. Well, I think that oatmeal metaphor was strong enough, hopefully (laughs) for anyone besides me too, to um, make a case to save the bees. And I'm very glad you made that distinction too about the native pollinators just versus bees in general and i think just to to wrap us up here the final send-off what do you want to say to all those people who are scared of bees it's a a common thing and i just want to know don't be afraid of them they don't they don't want to sting you when bees sting us honeybees sting us they have a stinger that has burrs on it like a fish hook so the stinger stays in you, and it rips their part of their guts out. It kills them. They die after they sting you. 
um, the wasp and hornets have a smooth stinger. So that's why, you know, you hit a ground nest with a lawnmower, you can get stung multiple times because that wasp will just keep stinging you. I would say if anybody's interested in really helping the bees or becoming a beekeeper, if they want to help the bees and plant um, more diverse diets for them, the Xerces Society, it's spelled X-E-R-C-E-S, society.org, has a great list of pollinator plants for the Northeast that they can go through and pull out whatever they'd like. There's great colored pictures there so people can go through, you know, whether it requires sun or shade. And if they're interested in beekeeping, go to nhbeekeepers.org, and that's the New Hampshire Beekeeper site. And there's a list of all of the clubs in the state. We have 10 clubs that encompass the entire state. And get involved. Go to some meetings. Some, some, you know, they're being held, most of them, by Zoom right now. You can go to a meeting. Uh, you can learn about bees. You can get educated about bees. You can find a mentor so you can do more hands-on and learn. So all of those things are important. And I, I hope people do whatever they can to help the honeybees. I really do, too. Come, yeah, guys, we don't want to be eating oatmeal the rest of our lives um and neither do the bees so janice thank you so much this was a lot of great information that i really appreciate i'm sure everyone else appreciates hearing too um everyone if you want to try any of the great products that janice recommended and talked about come on down to the co-op we have them here for you and if you want to learn more about White Mountain Apiary, you can go to whitemountainapiary.com and find them on Facebook. So thank you, Janet. Thank you, Anastasia. Thank you all so much for listening to our first episode of 2022. It's crazy to think that we've made it this far, both as a podcast and, like, as society? I don't know. (laughs) And thank you again to Janice Mercier for participating in today's episode. Based on what we just heard, I think it's safe to say that this will be the best year yet for That's Rad. If you liked what you heard today and want to hear more, make sure you give this episode a big thumbs up and hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts so you can be the first to hear what's happening at your local Littleton Food Co-op. We're on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And as always, if you have any episode ideas or think you have what it takes to be on an episode yourself, reach out and let us know. In the meantime, We have a whole library of episodes for you featuring things like interviews with local farmers, profiles of other co-ops, and multiple odes to cheese you won't find anywhere else. But until the next new episode, this is Anastasia signing off and reminding you to eat, sleep, and be rad.
That's Rad is a production of the Littleton Food Co-op. Anastasia Marr directs and hosts. Jesse Smith and Annie Stewart produce. Becky Colpitz provides unrelenting positivity and moral support. The Littleton Food Co-op is Littleton, New Hampshire's community-owned grocery store. We put our money where your mouth wants to be. Local farms, of course. No membership is required to shop here. Come check us out sometime, just off exit 41 at 43 Bethlehem Road in Littleton. Or if you're online, check us out at littletoncoop.com.